the National Archives podcast series, British Malaya, presented by Daniel Guilfoyle. By the 1790s, when Britain occupied the island of Penang, off the northwestern coast of the May Peninsula, the British already had substantial trading interests in Southeast Asia. Subsequently, Britain took control of a further settlement at Malacca in the southwest of the peninsula, and in 1819, Stamford Raffles established a trading post on the island of Singapore. The Anglo-Dutch Treaty of 1824 more clearly defined British status in Singapore, which became a possession of the British Crown. The three territories together made up the British Strait Settlements, and the Colonial Office became responsible for administration from 1867. In the course of the 19th century, the island of Singapore became the most important of the settlements for British commerce. By 1860, Singapore's population was already around 80,000, and there was substantial infrastructural development with investments in harbour and docks. The growing importance of Singapore as a trading centre lying midway between British India and the port of China attracted banks and shipping companies. After the opening of the Suez Canal in 1869, the importance of Singapore to British shipping increased further and the island became a major coaling station. The collection includes photographs of Singapore dating from the 1870s. They show the extent of the development of the island, with substantial colonial buildings such as the government house and post office, as well as developments around the harbour. Although British commercial interest in the region continued to expand, Britain acquired no further colonies in the Malay Peninsula until towards the end of the 19th century. However, after 1870, the extension of a formal political control was pursued more aggressively. Perak, to the south of Penang, was already an important tin-producing region. In 1874, the Governor Sir Andrew Clarke concluded the Pangor engagement with the Perak chiefs, which established a British residency. In practice, the agreement effectively passed overall control to the resident. Soon, similar agreements were concluded in other territories across the Malay Peninsula, in 1896, Perak, Selangor, Pahang and Negri Sambalan were incorporated as the Federated Malay States. In terms of the Treaty of Bangkok in 1909, control of Kelantan and other states was wrested from Siam. In 1914, the Sultan of Johor accepted a British residency, bringing the whole of the peninsula under British authority. Although the administrative arrangements were variable and inconsistent with Federated and Unfederated States, the status of the British residencies was not precisely defined, but by 1910, the whole of the May Peninsula was effectively under British control. In these states, the British favoured indirect rule, leaving indigenous rulers in place, rather than instigating new administrations. A group of photographs from 1897 and 1903 shows leaders in Malay states, together with British officials attending the federal conferences of those years. While the British administration favoured indirect rule in the Malayan Peninsula, there were also more direct interventions. In 1873, Captain Charles Speedy, who had served in India, recruited a small number of Sikhs to police Chinese secret societies in the Perak tin mines. Following an uprising in Perak in 1875, the Sikhs came to form the Corps of the Perak Armed Police, which was established in Taiping during 1877. Soon afterwards, the name of the police force would change the 1st Battalion Perak Sikhs and later to the Malay State's Guides, in which Sikhs continued to predominate. The force was an important means of control for the British administration 
and later played a role in suppressing risings in several of the federated states. The Parak Armed Police were comparable to a parliamentary organisation rather than a civil police force and incorporated artillery and infantry sections. Photographs in the collection show members of the force practising with artillery pieces and another activity such as traditional wrestling. A group of photographs taken during the 1930s shows the police on parade together with their weapons making clear the paramilitary nature of the organisation. The Malayan states included fertile land ideal for the production of tropical foodstuffs including rice, coconuts and fruits such as pineapples. The production of rice required ploughing of fields by means of the water buffalo and the transporting of seedlings into the fields flooded with water. Photographs in the collection show work in the flooded rice fields. From the early 20th century, British investors were increasingly interested in the opportunities presented by tropical agriculture, which is carried out on a large scale. A good example was the Duff Development Company. In 1902, a British resident was introduced in the Sultanate of Kelantan in the northeast of the peninsula. The territory was now more open to British commercial interests, and in 1906, the Duff Development Corporation gained extensive concessions for mining, planting, and trading in the province, which it immediately advertised for development. A group of photographs which date from 1910 show that the activities of the company ranged across many of the increasingly capital-intensive industries carried out in the Malay Peninsula. These included rubber production, dredging for minerals and logging of timber for export, and production of rice. The rubber plant originated in Brazil, but during the 1870s seeds were taken to Kew Botanical Gardens where they were successfully germinated. In 1877, plants were taken to Malaya, which was thought to have an ideal climate for a rubber tree, which requires even rainfall, high humidity and strong levels of sunlight. The Botanical Gardens at Singapore, established in 1859 and part of a network of gardens established throughout the British Empire, played a key role in developing the plant for Malayan conditions and invented a method of tapping the latex without felling the tree. Rubber production was established on a large scale in Malay during the first half of the 20th century. It was organised along plantation lines with a very large numbers of trees. A number of the photographs illustrate the layout and development of plantations together with Malay workers. The major non-agricultural export from Malay was tin. Alluvial tin existed in many of the valleys which ran down towards the west coast of the peninsula and Chinese immigrants into Barak were producing the metal as early as the 1820s. International demand for tin increased during the 19th century and mining expanded accordingly. By the 1870s, tension between the Chinese immigrants and indigenous rulers precipitated the intervention of the British in Perak. By the end of the 19th century, tin mining was being carried out on a large scale and the Federated Malay States were producing half of the world's tin. British companies were increasingly interested in the production of tin and began to displace the smaller Chinese operators. This process was accelerated by technical change in alluvial tin mining. After 1910, mining was increasingly capital intensive. The simpler and cheaper gravel pump method gave way to expensive dredging machines, which required a high degree of finance. Dredges were large platforms on lakes, either natural or man-made, with a series of buckets on chains which scoured the sand on the bottom. The mineral was then gathered by a series of mechanical processes. Photographs in the collection show the bleak landscape of the tin workings in the valleys, as well as the examples of dredging machines. 
During the 19th century, transport and traction were provided by animals, including elephants and water buffalo. The development of tin mining and the need to transport the metal to coastal depots demanded the construction of roads and railways. The first railway was opened in 1885 between Taiping and Perak and Port Wells. Over the following 10 years, further lines were opened, linking major towns and enabling the creation of the Federated Malay Railways in 1896. During the 20th century, railway building continued apace and in 1923, a line across the causeway between the peninsula and Singapore was opened. A short series of photographs in the collection, taken between 1898 and 1902, illustrate construction shortly after the establishment of the Federated Malay Railway. They were apparently taken in the Taiping area and show the rugged nature of the terrain and the extensive engineering work required for making the cuttings. Economic change and development substantially altered the demography of British Malaya. Chinese immigrants engaged in tin mining while the British brought Indian indentured labourers to work in the rubber industry. This ethnic diversity, together with the fragmented nature of the Malay states, militated against the development of an overall nationalist movement during the interwar period. The position of the indigenous people was undermined by the growing size of the Chinese population and the British ascendancy, and this resulted in a degree of political conflict. The diversity of the population is reflected in the collection. Some of the earliest photographs in the collection, taken in the 1870s, show indigenous peoples of the peninsula, their leaders and ethnic Chinese. There are also examples of contrasting architectural styles in the 19th century, and this is very much evident in photographs taken in 1897 during Diamond Jubilee celebrations in honour of Queen Victoria. During the interwar period, the British continued to administer an uneven combination of federated and unfederated Malay states. During the Second World War, the Japanese army overran the peninsula and captured Singapore. Following the defeat of the Japanese, the British administration was reasserted through the Anglo-Malay treaties. In 1948, the territories which made up the federated and unfederated Malay states, together with the settlements of Penang and Malacca, signed an agreement to form the Federation Malaya with a centralised government. Photographs in the collection show several signatories to the agreement, including, among others, the Sultans of Johor and Perak. In 1963, the Federation Malay joined with other regional states to form Malaysia. This podcast was recorded on the 21st of September 2012 at the National Archives, Q. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives. All rights reserved.